Welcome to this instalment of the Safety Cast. In this episode, Ryan is joined by Anne Firth to discuss mental health in construction. Okay, thanks again for joining us, everyone. In this episode of the Safety Cast, we'll be discussing mental health in the construction industry and the SafeWork New South Wales Mentally Healthy Workplaces Initiative. I'm joined today by my guest, State Inspector Ian Firth from our psychosocial services team. Welcome, Ian. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Um, mental health, just like physical health, is an important part of work health and safety. Recognising and managing risks in the workplace that may lead to physical or psychological injury uh, is an essential part of creating a safe, healthy and productive workplace. The construction industry is one of the largest employing industries in Australia, and linkages have been made between industry practices and mental health issues arising within the sector. Firstly, Anne, can we discuss the types of work-related psychosocial hazards and risks to psychosocial health, particularly uh, in the construction industry? Yeah, Ryan, so um, international research and some research here in Australia over the last few decades tells us that there are some common psychosocial hazards in the workplace. So what we think of as psychosocial hazards are those factors or um, aspects of work which we find in the way that work is structured and managed and they have the potential to cause um, not only psychological harm but also physical harm. Um, and these um, aspects or factors in the work come from the demands that are in the job or in the type of work that you do. So things like the workload, the conflict, the relationships in the workplace, the behaviour in the workplace, um, roles that aren't clear and a lack of job security. So they also come from the resources and the control that is available to workers in the work. So that means resources and control means things like the amount of support, the amount of consultation, um, recognition of work, fairness of procedures. So the risk of harm is highest when the demands are high and the resources and control that the workers have over their work are low. So that risk can increase when you have things like um, transient workers, labour hire workers, young workers, or even workers from a um, culturally diverse background. So when you think about construction, that brings a number of those factors all together. Absolutely, and being that type of industry is the, the transient nature. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, so, in what are the legal responsibilities for businesses and employees for managing the hazards and risks associated with mental health? So, in the psychosocial hazard space, the duties come from those broad duties that we find in the Work Health and Safety Act itself. So, the most important one is the um, PCB's PCBU's primary duty of care, and that duty, as most of your listeners would know, is to eliminate or minimise um, exposure to those hazards so far as reasonably practicable. So this means in the psychosocial space, think about eliminating or minimising as far as you can in um, safe systems of work, the provision of um, adequate training, information, instruction or supervision that's necessary to protect workers and help them do their job safely. Um, and make sure that your systems are in place to identify and respond to um, reports of psychosocial hazards. The next most important duty would be the um, consultation duty, which makes up a huge part of the Act and the regulations. And it's really important in the psychosocial hazard space because the, mechan the mechanism of injury is 
the individual's stress response. So when workers are exposed to these psychosocial hazards at excessive levels, they suffer a stress response, which then increases the risk of um, physical and psychological harm. So it's really important to consult with the affected work group um, about what their experience is in relation to these psychosocial hazards. Then there's other duties like uh, the officer's duties, the due diligence duty. So that's where those senior leaders and decision makers need to understand uh, what are their legal requirements, what's the PCBU's legal requirements, uh, what are the duties of others. Um, those are just some examples that um, come out of that section of the Act. But then the other duty, of course, is the worker's duty. So the workers also have a duty to make sure that they look after themselves and don't harm others, make sure that they ask um, if they don't understand something or, or if something isn't safe. And they really need to report and follow procedures when it comes to managing psychosocial hazards. So in this space, what's really important around those duties is that in the construction space, you have a lot of young workers and you have a really active and dynamic supply chain. So I'm talking about things there like um, contractors, um, tender requirements, and they add an extra layer of complexity in, in the construction space. Absolutely. Um, so how can businesses and employees identify and manage these risks, Sam? So it's, it's the same approach as physical hazards. You can use that same four-step process that you find in a lot of the Safe Work Australia and New South Wales guidance material on, on the uh, risk management process. So step one is to identify, step two is to assess the risk, step three is to um, implement control measures and, and step four is to review that process. Um, and then like the other physical hazards, what's really important in that risk management process is the leadership and management commitment. So they really need to be visible and it needs to be genuine um, commitment to the process. So that means that there needs to be um, a visible commitment in terms of the leader's actions, but also the resources that are allocated um, to this process. Uh, some other things are really important in the psychosocial space, but also like the physical hazards. Um, really important to have a systematic approach to the management of um, risk coming from psychosocial hazards. So make sure that you're planning, that you're preparing, that you've got competent people in the right role. Uh, make sure that it's not a token effort, that you've got those resources that are adequate. Um, as I said earlier, really important to consult throughout that risk management process. Um, and one other tip I'd say in response to this question is often we see um, evidence of psychosocial hazards coming through in terms of workplace behaviour, and that can be um, harmful workplace behaviour, inappropriate workplace behaviour, conflict. So one tip would be when you're first reacting to these kind of reports or, or warning signs, think about the behaviour as a symptom, not the cause. So try and look upstream at what could be causing this sort of behaviour first, um, because we know that most often these sorts of behaviour come about because there are other underlying psychosocial hazards that are present. And another really important tip when you're identifying and managing these risks, look at the work group level, bring it back to the work group level. You don't have to respond across the whole organisation unless there are obviously other hotspots throughout the organisation. Really important to um, start with that work group level. Absolutely. That's where we keep uh, you know, referring back to the consultation mechanisms that a business will have in place, and that's so critical in, in identifying any issues and just having those 
initial conversations or you know throughout uh, throughout the, those phases of identifying the risks. That's that's right. Yeah. Um, and can we highlight some of the benefits to business when these risks are managed effectively? Yeah. So you know, one of the main benefits would be. Um, there would be legal benefits, obviously. Um, if you've, you've got a systematic approach to managing these risks, there are obviously legal benefits because you're more likely to be compliant. But there are also um, compensation benefits. You know, there's a lot of data around psych injury and how costly it is, um, how much more time it takes to um, come back to work after a psych injury. So there are those kind of legal and um, compensation benefits. There's also other benefits that kind of go beyond direct financial benefits, and they're more into the the um, uh, reputation of the business. Um, you know, you want to attract the good talent, and once you've got people and you've trained them, you don't want them to keep moving on, so you don't want high staff turnover. Um, also, there are some that tell us that workers who feel like they're in a psychologically um, health workplace feel that they're more productive. Um, and we, we also noticed that there are um, um, lower rates of um, absenteeism, sick leave and um, presenteeism. And one thing I'd like to finish on is there is a couple of um, research um, publications out there now including the one here in New South Wales supporting our mentally healthy workplaces strategy that indicates there there is a dollar return on investment for um, a number of these sorts of initiatives. So how much money you'll get back for your investment depends on um, how big um, or how widespread those uh, interventions are. So there's a return on investment and that's a really important thing to note. Yes, definitely. And, you know, if those initiatives are implemented well in the workplace, we just it all aids to build that, uh, that you know, that positive work culture within the, um, within the organisation as well, um, you know, to prevent the higher staff turnover rates, et cetera. So, yes, I agree. Yeah, thanks. Um, do you have some tips on how businesses can appropriately re- uh, respond to reports of psychological hazards? Yeah, big message here for me is um, use your work health and safety knowledge, particularly if you're a medium or large size business. You've probably got some competence within your agency somewhere around um, work health and safety. And to the small business, I'd say um, you don't have to be a psychologist. That's, you know, one of the main things. We're not asking you to to be a psychologist to respond to these types of notifications. Sometimes when a business first becomes aware of psychosocial hazards and risks might be when it is brought to their attention through that work health and safety hazard notification system, um, and that's ideal. But other times it can be through things like um, grievances, complaints, uh, might be um, psych injury claims that are accepted, uh, even those claims that aren't accepted. Um, will be one way that you might become aware of this. It might be trends in sick leave and absenteeism throughout the organisation. It might be a drop in productivity. Um, so it's, it's really important to have the right knowledge in the right roles so that those people who are noticing it early can understand what psychosocial hazards are and they can ask the right questions, just like they would when they're dealing with the physical hazard that is brought to their attention. So this involves um, having those people um, making sure that they can have a sensitive conversation sometimes, you know, that they know what the warning signs are and that they know when and how to refer f- for support. Yes, yep, and having, you know, having those tools available to be able to flag that data when it is presented. Um, absolutely. 
Uh, can you explain the steps a business can take to create a positive working culture, as we mentioned before? Yeah, culture is a big one, um, and, and it, it it really is a, a top down and bottom up process. So when I say top down, obviously bringing it back to that leadership needs to be visible needs to be genuine and the leaders really need to back up what their policies and what their promises are. They need to back it up with action, but also workers have a role here. So this is a shared responsibility. Um, workers need to report, um, you know, they need to take this stuff seriously also. So to facilitate that top-down, bottom-up process, the business needs to have systems to support um, the, the management and the reporting of these psychosocial hazards. And a key one for us is those systems need to be understood by the users, so by the workers, but also by the site supervisors and the frontline managers. So when you're talking about a positive working culture, particularly in relation to um, psychosocial hazards, you need to have a culture that supports people raising issues. Um, and those people in the key positions need to understand what the barriers are. You know, why wouldn't people report? People often don't report because they're afraid, um, you know, they won't, they won't continue to get work out of it. They'll be afraid that it's um, held against them, that it isn't taken seriously. So you need to have standards there. You need to have strong standards. And, the, you know, one of the key principles of that positive culture is that the workforce needs to believe that you value their health somewhere alongside their productivity. Absolutely. Um, can you tell us more about the our, well, our Safe Work initiatives in the mental health space at the moment? Yeah, so um, the big initiative is the Mentally Healthy Workplaces Strategy. Um, it's a strategy on behalf of the New South Wales government and it's led by Safe Work New South Wales. So this strategy is based on a, a website which has got a range of tools and resources and information for um, uh, all sorts of business sizes and sectors. Um, and we've got some free evidence-informed programs there. And these are the programs that we know from our research do have a positive return on investment. So these programs offer free mental health training to like uh, sole traders, small to medium business owners. And that training is designed to help them identify the warning signs of mental ill health within their workplace and then help them understand what sort of support is available for themselves and their workers. So business owners can start using that, that website and those programs. Business owners can start the process of creating a mentally healthy workplace, uh, working on the productivity um, because their success and the business's success depends on the people that they have working for them. That's fantastic. And where can uh, our listeners gather any additional information, Ian? Well, they can go to our Safe Work New South Wales website. There's a range of information and links there. And they can also go to the Mental Health at Work website here in New South Wales, which is the home of the Mentally Healthy Workplaces strategy. Uh, and that's where all the programs and the background research um, are. And also another good tip, I guess, um, as an inspector, be familiar with the Safe Work Australia guidance on um, uh, workplace bullying and uh, work-related psychological health and safety. Excellent. Well, thanks for tuning into this safety cast today, and a very special guest to my colleague and guest Ian Firth for sharing these insights regarding mental health um, in the construction industry. It's very, very timely information. I appreciate it. So, thanks, Ian. Ah, uh, thanks again for having me, Ryan. Cheers. Thanks again to, for listening to this episode of the Safety Cast. For more information on this topic and other topics please visit our website www.safework.nsw.gov.au 
If you see something out on site or need to report an incident, phone 13 10 50 or use the Speak Up app. Please feel free to share this safety cast with your industry colleagues. Thank you.